0: Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hey guys, Dr. Mina here from The Skin Reel. Thanks so much for
1: joining me on this week's episode. This week, I'm gonna be talking about something that has probably plagued most people listening and watching. And if it hasn't, then you're really lucky. And that's because today on The Skin Reel, I'm gonna be talking about acne vulgaris, which is basically your common run-of-the-mill acne that seems to affect everyone, especially during those teenage years. Now, acne, it is super common. There are over 650 million people in the world who are struggling or have struggled with acne. And I know certainly I have personally when I was younger. And acne is a chronic inflammatory skin condition of what's known as the pilosebaceous unit. And that is just a fancy way of saying it's inflammation of the sebaceous gland and the hair follicle because those two things run together in the skin and the sebaceous glands deposit oil or what we call sebum. And when they make the sebum, it is funneled or deposited into the hair follicle, which has obviously an opening to the outside of the skin. And so when the sebum is overproductive, and when there is too much sebum, and it's also stickier than it should be, it can clog that pilosebaceous unit, and that's how acne forms. Now, there are so many things we could talk about with acne and a whole variety of different kinds of acne. But today, I'm going to be just talking about run-of-the-mill acne, what we call acne vulgaris, and what causes it and how we can treat it as dermatologists. And I'll definitely be doing some follow-up episodes where we can really take a deep dive into different types of acne and some of the medications used to treat it. Because there actually are some really cool and exciting things on the horizon, finally, right, for acne. Now, a lot of people listening and watching are probably thinking, yeah, I had acne. I struggled with that when I was a teenager. And we do typically think about acne affecting teenagers. But did you know that it can actually affect people at all stages of life? From neonates, even neonates like little newborn babies can get acne all the way to elderly patients. Elderly people can get acne. So unfortunately, it's not one of those things where it will just happen during your teenage years and then never happen again. For some people, that's the case, but not always. So if you are struggling with acne and you are not a teenager, take heart that you are not alone, that it actually is more common than people realize and it's actually on the rise. People getting acne in their adult years and after puberty is on the rise for probably a number of reasons. And we find that acne in older individuals, so really people over 25, it is predominantly affecting women, about 85% of people with adult acne are women versus men. And we'll talk a little bit more about why that is later. I've touched on this a little bit before, but now what is acne? It is the overproduction of oil known as sebum from our sebaceous glands and it also produces oil that's a little bit sticky and then it clogs that opening to the surface of the skin which is your hair follicle the pilo part of pilosebaceous unit and when that happens you get the very first or initial form of acne which is called a comodome. now in lay people speak, a comedone is what you think of as a whitehead or a blackhead, and a lot of times they're around the nose, on the chin, but they really can be anywhere that you get acne, which can be anywhere on your body, really. And it's thought that fluctuating hormone levels are responsible for the cause of acne. The majority of the time. Now, there are definitely other factors that can affect acne. Genetics plays a strong role. If your mom or dad or other people in your family struggled with acne, there's a good chance you will as well. We also know that diet can affect acne or certainly worsen it. And then also just lifestyle behaviors, wearing tight clothes can make acne worse, and even medications can cause acne. Acne is not caused by people having dirty skin or dirt clogging their pores, and it's also not really caused by bacteria, but bacteria can worsen acne. So we have some bacteria on our skin called Cutie acne, known as C-acne, and this is a normal bacteria that is on all our skin. So it's what we call normal flora. However, when people have overproduction of sebum or oil from their sebaceous glands, unfortunately, this is like fuel to a fire for this C acne bacteria. It loves the fatty oil from our sebaceous glands and it kind of goes nuts and it thrives and it overpopulates. And that's how the C acne can worsen acne flares and why we a lot of times will treat with antibiotics. But it's not so much that bacteria is the primary culprit. It's just that the overproduction of oil and the clogging of the pores, the bacteria actually just loves that and it makes it even worse. So these hormone fluctuations, we commonly think of hormones raging during puberty, right? But they can even happen in babies. After a neonate is born, they have mom's hormones in their system that then will leave as They are no longer connected to their mother, but that can be a cause of acne and neonates and babies, then puberty as well. But then also women have a monthly menstrual cycle with fluctuations of their hormones every single month. And that certainly can worsen acne and cause imbalances that make the oil gland production elevated. And again, even later in life with perimenopause and then menopause, It's not so much that the testosterone levels are rising, but because of the sharp decrease in estrogen, the ratio of testosterone to estrogen is imbalanced. And so that can also cause acne in a more mature individual. I know it sounds kind of depressing to think you could be plagued with acne for your whole life, but take heart. There are actually some really, really good acne treatments out there. So not all is lost. And We know that acne, yes, it is not a terminal condition. It is not something that's going to kill you or shorten your lifespan, but there has been a lot of research into how acne affects the psyche and people's self-confidence and how people feel about themselves and people who have severe acne actually have higher rates of depression and suicide or at least suicide ideation where they are thinking about suicide because it can be so... So traumatic and so harmful to have a face covered with acne, it can really affect how someone feels about themselves. And so that's why it is so important to not just brush off acne as no big deal, not a problem. You may not think someone's acne is all that severe, but to them, it may be really affecting them mentally and really affecting their mental health, their self-confidence and how they feel about themselves. And I know that was true for me. I had acne as a teenager and you may have looked at me and thought, well, it's not that bad, but to me, it was really bad. And it was really bad and I, I felt embarrassed to be the center of attention or to stand up and be noticed, really. I didn't want people to look at me. That's how much it bothered me and affected me. And some people may have looked at it and thought, well, it's not that bad, but to me, it did really affect me. So I totally can empathize with people struggling with acne. And the important thing to know is that you don't have to struggle with it. We actually have a lot of great treatments for it. So when I see a patient with acne, I kind of categorize them into three different buckets. And depending on the type of acne that they have, that will sort of determine how I treat them. So if someone has mostly comedones, those are the very early initial stages of acne, right? That is just when the oil gland is sticky and it's clogged up that pilosebaceous unit and it forms a little bump, like a little white bump on the skin, or if it's open, it will be a blackhead. And one little pearl about blackheads is that that is actually, they're not black because of dirt. That is not dirt in your skin. It's black because the sebum, the oil has oxidized when it's exposed to air. So that's why it's that dark color. So it is not dirt. You don't have to scrub and scrub and scrub to get the dirt out because it is not dirt. It is just oxidized sebum. Now, if someone has predominantly those comedones, that is the earliest stage of acne. And a lot of times this can be treated even without a dermatologist. You can use an acne wash for your face. That's gonna be something that has like a salicylic acid salicylic acid is great because it's a beta hydroxy acid. It's going to penetrate deeper, get into those oil glands and help open and unclog those pores. The other thing you definitely want to use is a nightly retinoid. And you actually can get this as an over-the-counter medication now known as adapalene. And if you're struggling with acne, I really would recommend getting adapalene or a prescription strength retinoid rather than just using a retinol that is marketed more for anti-aging because we really want to treat the comedones, open them up and get those oil glands diminished and get that sebum out of there. So I really would recommend using a stronger retinoid rather than just something you may use if you were just using it for anti-aging properties. And that really can be it for just comedonal acne, especially if you're not getting like breakouts with red inflammatory bumps and papules, then you really can just keep it pretty simple like that. You want to also just make sure you are using a sunscreen. And I would get one that says it's non comedogenic. And that means it's not going to clog your pores. And that's important really for any form of acne. If you are prone to your pores being clogged, i.e., you have acne, then make sure you're using things that are formulated for acne specific skin. And a lot of times they're also less greasy, which when people have acne, they tend to have oilier skin. And so they don't need that much hydration like someone who has really dry skin. So use acne focused sunscreens and moisturizers and things that say non-comedogenic on them. Now, what about if you have what I call more inflammatory acne? So, inflammatory acne is the next step in the acne spectrum. And that's when those comedones, those clogged pilosebaceous units kind of rupture under the skin, the pilosebaceous units sort of bust open under the skin, and you've got all this sebum in your skin, and that stimulates an immune response. And that brings in all these inflammatory cells, especially things like neutrophils, and it causes an immune reaction. And that's when you get those red bumps or sometimes you'll get like a whitehead, right? Where it's kind of white on top and you really really want to squeeze it. So that is more inflammatory acne where you get those red bumps. They sometimes can be painful and you get those whiteheads, those pustules on the skin. And your surrounding skin can get a little bit red, what we call erythema Now, for that kind of acne, you're going to want to bump up your treatment a little bit more. And for those patients, I would say either see a dermatologist, especially if these over-the-counter options don't seem to be working. So you want to use an acne-specific cleanser. Something with a salicylic acid can be great. You want to make sure you're using a retinoid at night. You could do adapalene, which is over-the-counter or you could get a prescription strength retinoid from your dermatologist. And then for the red bumps, you are gonna wanna also use a benzoyl peroxide product. And that's because it's going to help diminish the bacteria on the skin. It's going to help decrease the inflammation. And I love benzoyl peroxide as a wash because it will bleach clothing. And you can certainly use it as a cream and sort of spot treat the areas. Or if you've got a lot of acne in one area, just kind of rub it all on. But even when you wash your hands, you're still going to somehow get some of that benzoyl peroxide onto a towel and it will bleach it or it'll bleach your clothes. So I really love the benzoyl peroxide washes. You can use them in the shower. You can use them on facial acne, chest, back, wherever you have it. And I find that works really, really well for more inflammatory acne. Now, if you're seeing a dermatologist, they may also recommend a topical antibiotic cream to put on as well. And it's important that if you're using a topical antibiotic cream, you wanna also pair it with that benzoyl peroxide, either cream or wash, so that you do not develop resistance or the bacteria rather on your skin does not develop resistance. So if that doesn't cut it and maybe your inflammatory acne is a little more severe, then your dermatologist may put you on a short course of an antibiotic. So things like minocycline and doxycycline, and there's some newer ones as well that are more targeted towards C-acne, the bacteria, which is great because then there's less chance of developing resistance. So your dermatologist may put you on an antibiotic orally to take, but it's important to know that you are not going to want to be on that for months and months and months because they do have side effects It can affect your gut microbiome and you can develop bacterial resistance. So again, we Do use these antibiotics, but again, it will be more as a short course to get things calmed down and then let the topical creams do the heavy lifting after. Now, there are patients sort of the next tier up with what I call severe or nodulocystic acne and these people are the ones who get those sort of deep-seated cyst-like lesions under the skin. Sometimes you don't even see it for a long time, but you can feel it and it hurts a lot. And for people who have this kind of acne or they're getting a lot of scarring, then we really, really, really need to hit it hard and be pretty aggressive with their treatment. And in the past, that has been using a medication called isotretinoin. And I know that it has gotten a lot of press in the past, a lot of bad press. It can uh, really strike fear in my patients and their families' hearts when I tell them that I think we should go on isotretinoin. But it really is an amazing medication for acne. And it has really been life changing for so many patients. So it's important to know what the risks are, but also understand that there are a lot of great benefits. And for some people, they really do need this medication. And I'm not going to go into all the details about isotretinoin and all that right now but suffice it to say it is a vitamin A medication that you take orally. So think about our retinoid is a topical vitamin A. This is a vitamin A that you ingest. And the biggest risk with this is that you absolutely cannot get pregnant on it. It will cause severe abnormalities in the fetus. So you absolutely cannot do that. You cannot give blood while you're on it and for a little bit after. But does work and for some people who are really plagued by severe, severe acne, it can really be life-changing. So that is kind of the most extreme when someone is really struggling with severe acne. But some really exciting news is that we actually now have some other treatment options even for severe acne. Recently, two lasers were cleared by the FDA for the treatment from mild to even severe acne. And these lasers use a specific wavelength of seventeen twenty. Six nanometers which targets specifically the pilosebaceous unit or rather the sebaceous glands in the skin and the great news is it is safe for all skin types and people can come in about a month apart have a few treatments and they see tremendous improvement in their acne if not clearance of their acne so it really is a game changer to have devices like this that can treat acne without having to take a systemic medication with blood monitoring and pregnancy monitoring. So this really, I think, is going to be a game changer for people with really severe acne. So more to come on that, but I love that there's an option that does not involve the monitoring and the issues that we see with some of our oral medications. When you are dealing with acne, sometimes it can feel like you just want to strip your skin of all the oil on it and scrub your acne off and pop every pimple and extract every blackhead. But I would really encourage you not to do that yourself. Let your medications do the heavy lifting. Don't be the one manually squeezing and poking and being really aggressive with your cleansing because that is where you can get scarring. And sometimes acne just scars anyways, especially those larger deep-seated lesions. But a lot of times acne scarring comes from us picking and manipulating the skin and maybe going a little deeper than we wanted. So I would really encourage people to let your medication handle the acne. Don't be the one squeezing and popping every pimple. I know it can be tempting, but that's when you can risk getting scarring. So I would really advise against that. I know I was a big toner person and I would just use toner on my skin to dry it out and dry it out, which I thought was going to help me. But unfortunately, it really needed to be deeper in the skin at the level of those sebaceous glands to minimize and decrease the oil production. So Let your medicines do the work. Don't be overly aggressive with your skin. Otherwise, And a lot of times when you stick with your acne regimen, especially when you're working with a dermatologist, people really do see improvement, sometimes even as soon as a couple months. But stick with it. It may even take six months, sometimes even longer to really see optimal results or even clearance of your acne. Now, I'm going to do a whole nother podcast on specifically adult acne and hormonal acne because that really does need A whole devoted session and week because there's so much to cover. But suffice it to say, adult acne, it seems to be on the rise. More and more people are getting it, and again, predominantly women. And hormonal acne tends to occur sort of on the lower face and jawline. And a lot of times it can be these sort of deep seated cystic kind of lesions, painful, and it may correlate with a woman's menstrual cycle. Sometimes it's also associated with some underlying medical issues. So some women who do struggle with adult Acne may also have a condition known as polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. And so when you're seeing your dermatologist, they may also recommend that you see a gynecologist or they may even draw some blood work, some labs just to monitor what your testosterone levels and some other lab values like DHEAS, just to monitor and see what your androgen levels are like internally and your GYN may even want to do an ultrasound to kind of see how your ovaries are looking as well. One thing that's been very helpful for a lot of women with adult onset acne is to be on a birth control pill. And not all birth control pills will do this, but there are certain ones that have been shown to help reduce acne, especially this adult onset or hormonal acne that we are seeing. And another medication that I find really helpful for this adult acne is something called spironolactone. And this medication is a mild diuretic. It's a diuretic. So um, that actually makes you go to the bathroom and it's actually used for hypertension and things like that. But it also blocks androgen receptors so that when taken, women will notice that actually their acne improves and some reports show even improvement in hair loss. So I find that it's a really well-tolerated medication in my adult female patients with acne, and they tolerate it really well, and it really can help with that more hormonal acne that we're seeing in people really over the age of 25 or so. So that is just sort of Acne 101 in a nutshell, your common variety Acne Vulgaris, and it's not just for teenagers, unfortunately, we can see this in people at all ages of life, from babies to the elderly. And it universally is caused by fluctuations in hormones, which can cause our oil glands to overproduce oil that then becomes sticky and clogs our pores. So I definitely will do more episodes on hormonal acne and also on isotretinoin because I find that that one is a little bit confusing for people. They aren't quite sure if it's safe or not and if there are going to be problems if they take it. So we'll definitely dive in a little bit deeper on those as well. And if you found this episode useful or helpful, be sure to leave a review, share with the friend and follow me at The Skin Reel for real skincare education and guidance. I'll see you next week.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes blog, post, and so much more. Until next time, Skin Friends.